the verse that uh, Kyle read earlier, I want to read that again, and I want to read it in the message version. The message version is uh, a man named Eugene Peterson translated the Bible, and he put it in as modern a language as he could, I believe, without compromising the integrity of it. And this is what he says um, for Proverbs 29, 18. He says this, If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Let me read that again. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Another version would say, without a vision, the people, what? Perish. Without a vision, the people perish. Now, Solomon wrote that. He was a king in Israel. And he was an amazing king. And God gave him some very keen insight into human beings and into his kingdom. He's a king and he's shepherding people. And he knows as a king that people need to understand where they're headed. If you don't tell people where they're headed, they're going to stumble all over each other. That's why I like the Eugene Peterson version because the alternative to having a vision, casting a vision, and being true to that vision is you get chaos. You get a royal mess. A royal mess. It's going to be messy if you don't have a vision. And that's what Solomon is saying. He didn't mean people are going to perish as in go to hell. He meant it's people are going to struggle and it's going to be conflicting and it's going to be messy. So if you don't cast vision, then you just leave it up to people to guess. Why, why is this church here? What are we doing? Where are we headed? And how are we going to get there? Because you can't have really a mission. There's the vision. That's where you're going. And there's the mission. That's how you're going to get there. And listen, I know we could all talk in, in uh, vanilla, generic terms, like we're here to, to, to give God glory, and that's true, we are. But that's a really generic term. I mean, that would be like a restaurant saying, our goal here is to serve food. <laughs> well, that's exciting. It makes me want to go eat there, doesn't it, you? <laughs> what kind of food are you serving? Is it, is it a, you know, cuisine? Is it, it, uh, is it Thai food? Is it sushi? What is it? Is it bologna sandwiches? <laughs> got to be more specific. And I want our vision here to be sharp. That's why the title of this message is called 2020 Vision. Um, 2020 Vision is a term that eye doctors use to show you uh, that you ought to be able to see clearly up to 20 feet in front of you. And if you can't, you don't have 2020 Vision and you need help. You need some, some spectacles to be designed for you and cut for you, right? So as we're looking at the year 2020, and I'm sure a lot of churches probably use this this week, huh? 2020 vision. It just fits, right? We're in 2020, and we want 2020 vision. We want to see a sharp image. We want to see it clearly. We want to know where, where we're going. Um, so the better way than to having the royal mess and the chaos and people stumbling all over each other um, is to have a clear purpose. There's a better way. There's God's way. And so I want people to see what God is up to at this church so they'll know how they can contribute, how you can be a part of that. Because I've always wanted Grace Life Church to be a church where anybody can get in on what God's doing here. There's no elite. There's no snobbery. There's not one of these days, maybe, bless your heart, you'll be able to help us when you're qualified and trained. That's what I so appreciated about Pastor Roy. Maybe even to a fault. <laughs> he let me preach at his church in the youth room. <laughs> he just, anybody could get in on what God was doing there. If, 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 if he saw integrity and he saw intentionality and he saw effort, he was like, I'll let you teach the youth, man. You're studying the Bible. So I got up to preach in the youth room. I kid you not. I took my Bible, and it was a thin line Bible where two or three books are on the same page. And I got up to teach, and I said, now, we're going to be in the book of Philippians this morning, young people. So turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians. 
And for the life of me, I couldn't find it. I could not find it in my Bible. That's how young and inexperienced. I knew what the verse said I was preaching on. I just couldn't find it. And there was a young lady uh, who's a doctor now. Her name was Lauren Leffler, and she was a teenager. And she's sitting in front of me, and I'm struggling. My face is getting red, and I go, psst, psst, Lauren. She goes, what? And I said, give me your Bible. So she gave me her Bible, and I gave her mine. I said, find Philippians. <laughs> I just loved it. You didn't, have to be, you didn't have to have an academic degree or a seminary degree. He would encourage you to do that if you're going to do what I'm doing up here. But anybody could, there was always on-ramps to what God was doing at that church. And that's why so many people were impacted because they were given access. It wasn't this elite club that you had to meet all these qualifying factors to be a part of. And I don't want this church to be either. Anybody can get in on what God is doing here. Anybody could follow Jesus and anybody can be a part of this church. I've always wanted that at Grace Life Church. So we want to have a clear vision. And recently our leadership met to talk about that. And uh, I do apologize if this sounds a little bit like a business meeting. It's not, okay? This is just an update. I want you to have a clear update. Because um, we wanted to talk about what does God seem to be doing at Grace Life Church? What seems to be the direction he's taking us based on the people he's entrusted us with and what we've seen in the last five years, the growth that we're experiencing, and we are. And I love that. I'm so excited about that. I have never been more excited in church planning and pastoral ministry than I am now. I mean, it's full speed ahead, forward ever, backward never, ready to charge hell with a water pistol kind of stuff. I'm excited. You may not hear it this morning because I'm tired, but I'm excited, and I've been praying that this would make sense to you and that you would get excited too. Um, I guess the good thing, the good takeaway from this verse is that God is always up to something. There always is a vision, and he wants you to see it, and he wants you to be a part of it, and I want that for you too at this church. So before I tell you the direction we believe God is leading us, I want to give you just a brief uh, highlight and update over the last five years. We had a strong start as a church plant in 2015. Jeff and I were co-pastors then. We were part of an amazing network that Pastor Larry Kirk, who taught here a few weeks ago, heads up and still does. And Jeff and I are still a part of that, just with separate churches now. Uh, we had a strong core team of families that helped us launch this church. Um, and back then, we had a board. You could call it a finance team. Just some faithful, trustworthy people that came alongside us uh, and helped us to, to, to plant this church deep and start strong. Um, and then we helped in, in year three. We sent Pastor Jeff, along with five other families, over to Ormond-by-the-Sea to, to actually replant a church that was basically dying. They had about 20 members. They were uh, really old and had some health problems. They wanted some fresh blood. They, they knew they had become ingrown. They weren't living on mission they weren't fulfilling the Great Commission. They wanted help. They were excited about what God was doing here. They invited us to be a part of their church. So we sent Jeff over there, and we replanted our ch their church. We renamed it, gave them a fresh vision and philosophy of ministry, and they're, they're blowing and going now. They just celebrated their two-year anniversary over there a couple of weeks ago, and Jeff couldn't be more excited. Um, but when Jeff left, I was the solo pastor here, just little old me all by myself. And I love preaching. I do. And I don't, I don't feel like I need a whole lot of help preaching. I was telling our leadership about every fifth or sixth week, you're going to see somebody else preach just because I feel like that's good for me. That's good for you. That's kind of my sweet spot. It's, it's about 45 weeks out of the year. I want to be in the pulpit, but I need a little bit of a reprieve. And our, our elders and our leadership have agreed that they like that. They don't want me to get stale. And I'm sure you don't either, right? So that's why you, you saw Pastor Larry come. Jeff came. Um, but when, when Jeff left... I felt comfortable to preach by myself, but man, there's a lot of other stuff going on, and I needed help. 
I needed help. I was starting to get weary. I was starting to get exhausted. I told our leadership team, have you ever put a spare tire? Don't take this the wrong way. I don't, it's not like I feel, I feel like y'all are abusing me. Like I'm a spare tire. Shame on you. It's not that. Um, have you ever you're, you're not, you're not reaching maximum uh, efficiency with whatever it is that God's calling you to do, either at work or with your family or whatever. I kind of felt like that. I, fe- I had a blowout with Jackson one morning. I hit a curb, uh, and my tire blew out, and I had to put a spare on. And, and Sam was good enough to remind me at church the next week. He said, hey, your, your spare, that's a front-wheel drive car, so the spare's on the wrong. I don't remember if it was on the front or back, but he said, you need to move that spare, and you know, don't go over 50 miles an hour, and don't go over 50 miles. And I'm like, What? How did I not know that? I'm a man. I'm supposed to know all that stuff. And he said, no, no, when your spare's on, you're good, you're safe, but you got to go slower and you can't go as far. And I felt like if if things remain like they are at this church with our leadership, we're going to be limited, severely limited on how fast we can go and how far we can go. And you may have a pastor that's burnt out and nobody wants that. I don't want that. And when I shared that with our leadership, they didn't want that. So you know what we did? Uh, Back in 2018, we we started... um, we, we plan to have what the Bible calls a plurality of, of leaders. We had men who aren't on the payroll. They're called lay elders, and they come alongside me, and they help me lead, and they help me shepherd. And Joe Nugent and Steve Ekman have done an amazing job. They've been at it now for over a year, and we, we transitioned from a board or a finance team to elders, and that's a more biblical model. And, yeah, there's their picture. You know who both those men are, and they've done an amazing job, and I'm thankful for that. Um, but you know what? We've grown and we need more elders now. And that's why we have been receiving your nominations for that. And we have a nomination review committee and we're praying over those names and approaching and pursuing those men to find out where they stand with their willingness and availability to serve and their qualifications. So we're going to add some more elders, Lord willing, uh, very soon this year. It's in the works. Um, the other thing that we saw that we needed was we needed help um, mobilizing our ministries we have several ministries at this church, and I can't oversee them uh, hands-on, practical, week-to-week, day-to-day. We needed help with that. And so we brought on Diane Hendricks, and she's been helping us in a part-time capacity uh, as the director of ministries. But you know what? We needed, we needed more from Diane. We needed Diane to be full-time. So we have offered her a full-time position. And a little bit later, as early as March, she's going to rotate off of what she does, I think, in Daytona Beach, helping at a preschool during the week. And she's going to work full-time for Grace Life Church as the uh, director of ministries. And I put her email up there because a little bit later in the service, I'm going to challenge everyone here to find an on-ramp to be a part of what God's doing at this church. And that may mean different things for all of us, but I know it means one thing for everyone. That is find a place where God would have you serve, where you feel equipped. Maybe, maybe uh, you're out of your comfort zone a little bit. That's okay. Uh, God calls us to do things, to take risks for his glory. And the way that you can get in on that, Diane's not here this morning, but that is her email address. Serving, can you see that? Serving at gracelifeflorida.com. Serving at gracelifeflorida.com. You can reach her directly through that email address. If you have any questions or you want to help with the children, you want to help with the hospitality team, you want to help in the tech booth, you want to be a part of the worship team, um, you can email Diane and she'll put you in touch with the right leader, okay? Um, that's not all we did. We are also, also appointing um, two part-time children's coordinators. We've had one coordinator the last five years try and oversee all of that, and that's just been too much. That's been too much. 
because um, we're trying to cast vision, and at the same time, there's the practical administrative side, and that's just too much for, for one person to do. And it's a position that needs to be compensated financially. That's not something that just a volunteer uh, would probably be able to do. We, we want to show appreciation, and we want them to be in... The, we want them to be in long term, so we uh, are in the process of appointing two people for that, and we've already found one. We found Courtney Wampler, and you know Courtney and Thomas. There's her picture. She is the Grace Life Kids Early Childhood Ministries Director, um, and she'll be helping provide support and resources for young children and for families as they grow in their journey on discipleship, and so you can pray for her, and you can encourage her in that role. And uh, welcome aboard, Courtney. She's probably in the back this morning, as a matter of fact, doing what she does. We love their family. And we'll be announcing the other appointment soon when that's confirmed. Something else we've done, and if you already know some of these things, that's okay. It's just good to celebrate and see. Isn't it good? It's good to see this is what God is up to. God is moving, and our church is growing, and that means we want to position and structure ourselves where we can handle the growth that he's giving us. So the next thing we did uh, is that we brought on Megan Amador. I hope I'm saying your last name right close? Okay. Uh, Megan is the director of communications and she also oversees, that means as part of that, she oversees all of our online stuff, social media presence, helps with the administration. Um, there's her and her husband, Isaiah, and their little girl, Isla, and she's doing an amazing job. Um, and we brought her on board at the beginning of the year and she's going strong. And you've been able to probably see uh, some upswing in our social media platforms, our website. We're doing a blog now, and I'm really thankful for that. Because listen, a lot of people that are younger, whether we fight it or whether we accept it, a lot of their stuff happens online, on social media. And look, we want to get in on that. We want to reach out and direct people that are looking for a strong gospel preaching church. Uh, if they can find us online, more power to it. We'll use that platform too, and she's doing really good at that. Um, Melissa Affalter has transitioned uh, from that road to... Uh, a remote counselor with Fieldstone. In fact, she's up at Ohio right now for the next several weeks getting trained, training in that. But she's also going to be serving at Grace Life now as our Women Knowing God coordinator. And some of you have already benefited from, from her insight and from her love and coming alongside of you. And listen, guys, we, we did two events. We did a Men Knowing God event. No, we did three. We did a Men Knowing God, Women Knowing God, Kids Knowing God. And the feedback and the response we got from that I, the word overwhelming is overused, isn't it? Uh, but it was incredible. And we thought, man, people, families that God is bringing to this church want help growing. The women want help growing deeper in their relationship and, and their communion with Christ. They want to know the Bible better. They want help on, look, how do you, how do you pray? I mean, how do you cultivate a, a healthy biblical life of prayer and communion with Christ? You know what? It's okay to ask that question. In fact, it takes a lot of humility to ask that question. And God wants us to, to say, look, I know God wants me to pray. I know God wants me to read his word. I know he wants me to meet together with other believers and, and, and grow and sharpen one another. I've just never done that. And I don't know how. Can somebody help me, give me practical things? Well, preaching can help some, but you know what? Sometimes you need a person to come alongside of you. And since we've had those groups meeting, we have been able to uh, do something called uh, D groups, little fight clubs, little one-on-one -on -one or two or three people gather together. They pray. They confess their sins to one another. You know, the Bible calls you to do that. It does. Confess your sins to one another. Walk in the light. Grow deeper. Stand taller. Reach further. So that's happening under Melissa's leadership. And for the men, uh, we have Brent Carnathan who has agreed 
Uh, I kept poking him and pestering him. He led our last men's group and did incredible. And so he's going to help our men uh, get some of those D groups started. So those are just a few of the things. Uh, and one other thing, you already know this, but might as well put it up and make it official. Um, TJ Sindel and Kyle Judkins are doing something that, guys, honestly, you're not going to see at a whole lot of churches. They are doing what Pastor Jeff and I did the first year we planted this church. You know, Jeff and I co-pastored, and that's worked out really well for us. And I, I got to be honest with you, church planting experts, whatever that means, told us you can't do that. There's one patriarch, there's one leader, there's one personality. And we were like, do you have one verse that <laughs> says that <laughs> in the Bible? And they didn't. So we said, we're, we're going to do this, you know, we're going to do it. And it worked really well. It was really helpful, and we got great feedback. Uh, and so we're going we're gonna to do that model with our worship team. And here's why. Because in the future, we want to plant more churches. And when God shows us, hey, look, here's a group of people that we can send to another part of Volusia County and plant a church, but they, they need a worship leader. Oh, well, we got two. See, we're trying to think ahead and plan ahead. We don't want to supersize. I don't want a mega church. Uh, we want to keep planting. We see the, the power and the efficiency of planting Small churches reach more people better. They just do. Church plants do, I should say. And so uh, TJ and Kyle are both leading worship. You'll see them alternate. And I thank God for both of them. Y'all are doing an amazing job. You're crushing it. So those are just some of the additions and the expansions that we've made uh, with, with our staff. Um, and also, I brought this up before. I was also at a place where I asked. It, it's interesting. When I met with our leaders, I said, look, I have, it was Christmas. And I said, guys, I'm tired uh, and I, have, I, I like to have a, Christ, a Christmas wish list. These are the things I would love to have for Christmas for our church. And they're like, what are they? And it was all these things you just saw. Can, can we hire Diane full-time? Can we hire Megan? Can, can, can we do a men knowing God, women knowing God? Can we have, uh, you know, some worship leaders? Uh, can, can we ha hire two part-time children's coordinators? And the one other thing was, can we bring an associate pastor on to help me? Not necessarily with preaching, even though they'd be gifted in that, but just to help me to do what I do better. Um, and so we prayed about that, and we extended the invitation to Joe Nugent. He's one of our lay elders. And Joe and Marilyn uh, wrestled with that, prayed over that, and I think we've already given the updates in the community groups. But at, at this time, the season that they're in, they still have some opportunities. They have nine amazing kids, lots of grandkids, and they still have a season where they can help them and influence them. And so they really want to focus on this and may even uh, be relocating later this year. So it was the wrong, it was the right thing to do to ask him to do that, but it was the wrong time for them. Uh, so we're still praying about, okay, well, well, then what's next? But I will tell you this, um, I don't want to be hasty and be in a rush to invite somebody to serve in an associate pastor role and then find out later that was a hasty choice. I didn't pray through that. I didn't talk through that. So I feel helped by all the changes that we've made already. So would you join me in praying when it's the right person and it's the right time uh, that God will show us, hey, look, this, this, this can be the, uh, an associate pastor to come alongside and help you. So, man, I feel like this is all boring. Uh, I'm sorry if it is, but these are exciting things for me. Uh, the, the, this represents growth and progress and a lot of answered prayer because I believe that God wants to do more with this church. And if we don't have, you know, the, the, the old analogy was there's a trellis and there's a vine. Uh, Joe Nugent preached a few weeks ago on pruning and he talked a little bit about that. The trellis is what the vine has to rely on to grow. If you don't have a trellis, you just got this crazy vine that grows everywhere, right? And fruit that's getting stepped on and eaten by animals. And is that a bleak enough picture for you? <laughs> So some of the stuff you're seeing is, is trellis work. We're trying to be organized and structure and position ourselves for the growth we believe God is bringing to us. Um, 
So the next question a lot of people would say is, well, listen, a lot of those were financially compensated positions. Cost money to do that stuff. How are we doing with money? We never talk about money here. Well, I'm going to talk about money a little bit later in the year. I want to talk to you about what does God say about it, because he talks about it a lot. Um, but the short answer to the question, do we have the money to do this, is yes. Praise God that we do. Through your faithful giving, many of you, and hope most of you, actually. I mean, and, and I'll say this, I don't know who gives at this church. And, and some people would say, man, don't say that, pastor. You should never say that because some people give because they know that the pastor knows who. And if you say you don't have any idea, people start, will stop giving. Listen, this will never, as long as I'm the pastor here, this church will never be motivated by fear, by guilt, or by shame. I want people to give at this church because of what Christ has done for them. Christ, who is rich, the Bible says, became poor for our sakes, so that in him, in him we might become rich. And the Bible says that God loves a cheerful, cheerful giver. And you know what the Greek word is in that passage? It's something, I, I'll mispronounce it, but it's the word we get hilarious from. Did you know that? Have you ever heard that? <laughs> God loves somebody that's like, <laughs> take all my money. God loves that. <laughs> he loves you to give cheerfully, not reluctantly, not begrudgingly, not angrily. Like, oh, well, here goes my $5 Starbucks for the week. That's not how God wants you to give. He wants you to reflect on what God has done for you in Christ and say, you know what? I want more people to experience this. And I know uh, that it takes money to operate a church. And the Bible tells me to bring my, my tithe or my uh, my, the portion of my giving, the first portion uh, of what God has given me, bring to the storehouses of the temple and to trust God with that. And I'm going to do that, not because I have to, because I get to. It's a privilege. I hope that that would be the mindset of everybody in this church, not because I'm saying, if you don't give, God's going to hurt you. God's going to give you a tithing scar. God's going to chasten you. Some of those things are true, but I want you to give because of what Christ has done for you. And most of you have given faithfully, from what I've been told. I don't know who doesn't or who does. That's between you and the Lord, and we're going to talk about that later this year. Um, but because of your faithful giving and also because our elder who is responsible for the financial secretarial part is Steve Ekman and his wife, Beth, and they've done an amazing job. They have been truly, they've helped our church be good stewards of the, all the resources that God has given us. And all the, the finances that come to us, Steve and Beth, have broken that down into six different um, categories. And I just want to list them really quick, just in case you're curious, okay? We have operational expenses, and then we have missions that we put a portion of money to. Then we have benevolence, people that have a legitimate need and reach out to our church. And, and of course, regular attenders and members are the priority there. But there's also people in the community that need help and so we have a benevolence fund, then we have a church planning fund that to, to help do what Jeff did two years ago. And we reach out and we help Byron uh, Cogdale that planted Identity Church in Daytona. We believe God wants us to be wise stewards and help other people do what we were helped to do. You know, we had outside help. We are self-supporting now. Praise God for that. We are not depending on anybody else outside of this church to financially support us. That's amazing. It's actually church planning experts will say that that doesn't happen. It takes eight years. What took us four, I think four or five years. We were self-supporting. And not only that, we helped Jeff plant a church. We sent Patty Parks to the mission field and lots of other things. It's going to sound self-serving for me to say, but God gets all the glory for that. Uh, but we want to turn around and we want to help other churches do what we were helped to do. We don't want to be stingy. The kingdom is much bigger than Grace Life, right? Um, so there's church planning. There's a building fund. 
And I'll talk more about that in a minute. And then there's reserves. And part of what we're doing this year, we're dipping into our reserves, but that's okay. That's not even our operational expenses. So if you have any questions about that, go ask Steve and Beth, okay? Because I'm clueless. I don't know what the heck's going on. But I'm just thankful that I believe we're being really good stewards of the money that God gives us. Um, and thank you for, your, for your, the level of trust that you have. And part of tithing is you're trusting the leadership to do with that what you believe, we believe God is calling us to do. So going back to the building, you know, we, we told you earlier this year, we do not believe that it is God's long-term plan for us to rent a high school every Sunday for three hours. And we still don't believe that's God's long-term plan. But it is obviously his short-term plan because we have prayed, we have looked, we've looked at how many properties now, guys? Three, four properties. Uh, it wasn't financially right for us to buy those properties, and it wasn't functionally right for us to be on those properties. They, they would not suit our needs. And so we go back to the, hey, let's not be hasty and feel this uh, artificial pressure to like pull the hammer and bam, we're in a church. And then we got this property, we got maintenance, we got air conditioner, we got, we got all the, the maintenance and utilities, and then it ends up not working out for us. And who knows what's going to happen with the economy in an election year. So we are trusting God. It's not the right time. But listen, we have over $50,000 that we have put aside in a, in a, for a building. That's building budget. We're not touching that. And obviously, in the grand scheme of things, let's say you buy property for a few hundred thousand dollars, that's barely a, a down payment. So it's not an incredible amount, but we're committed that we believe God eventually is going to hopefully give us a building. Pray about that. You know, a lot of churches, their story, their testimonies that somebody came along and said, you know, I got this building, it's sitting empty, and I don't know, I think God wants me to give it to you. To which we would say, we agree. <laughs> So pray about that. Let's have faith that, that God has a long-term plan, but the short-term plan is for us to rent this facility, and I'm thankful we're able to use this money, and it goes back into the Volusia County school system, and we have a great relationship with the school. Jeff Carson does an amazing job helping us every Sunday. You see him up there. Um, so I'm grateful for that, and this is the most important part of the message that I wanted to tell you. Uh, where do we believe that God is taking us in 2020? Because there's some simple metrics that we use here um, to figure out where we're going. And, and here they are, and you've heard them before. Gather, grow, go. Pretty easy, isn't it? We gather together anytime that you are with other believers in Christ, that fits under that rubric, okay? You're gathering, whether it's a community group, whether it's a Sunday morning, whether it's a little fight club, a D club, you're gathering with other Christians and you're doing what God has called you to do. Now, the main gathering is here on Sundays where we come, we hear the gospel, uh, we, we fellowship, but we're equipped. The Bible says that the, the purpose of preaching is to equip the saints, that's you and me, to equip the sheep for the work of the ministry. We don't come here and do ministry just on Sunday. We come and we get equipped by the preaching of God's word to go out there and do ministry right? Ministry, we are the insiders who exist for the outsiders, right? And we have to be equipped to be able to be of any use to them, not only when they come to us on Sunday, but when we go, that's one of the other metrics, go. So there's gather, and then there's go. Gathering is with other believers. Going is anytime you are with unbelievers at any level, at any capacity. Whether you're running for a political office, and God's calling you to be salt and light in the political arena, not an easy arena to be in, but Hey, praise the Lord, Jeff Browers, he's going for it. I'm thankful for that. I think there ought to be Christian politicians everywhere. Are we going to leave that to unbelievers and just hope it works out, right? No. 
We pray for our kings, our governors, our leaders, and also when we see God at work moving somebody in that, that direction, man, I want to equip those politicians, and I want to equip doctors, and I want to equip lawyers and landscapers and everybody else that God brings to this church. It, it, blows my, it would blow your mind if I were to put on the overhead every vocation and calling, whether it's to be, to be at home and, and, and help raise children and, and be nurturing and be a homemaker, whether it's to be single and be a teacher, whatever calling. If I would put it all up here, all the different fields represented here, it would absolutely blow your mind, man, because we're not a mega church. But listen, guys, this is an army. I see a small army here ready and willing to be mobilized to take the good news to people that are out there swimming in bad news and drowning in bad news every single day. And so when we gather, we're equipped to do that. But anytime you're with unbelievers, you're living on mission for Jesus. That's the go. So here's the question. How do we gather better and how do we go better? And that's the middle one, grow, grow, grow. That is where we believe as a leadership team that God wants us to focus our energy and our strength and our prayers on for this year in 2020. We really want to grow, and here's why. We talk about all the time that the church is it's not like a museum where the eminent saints come with halos and we high-five each other and fist bump, like, look how awesome we are, right? No, it's more like a hospital or like an ER where people are bleeding to death and getting triaged. And we have seen that God brings people to us at this church. I do not know why, but that's part of figuring out what God is doing. Where is God at work? The vision. God has brought a lot of people to us who have a lot of hurt in their history. Whether it's neglect, whether it's abuse, whether they've sat under false teaching, whether they were under legalism, either soft or hard, and man, they have had to heal and recover. And they have found the formula that we use here. Gospel plus safety plus time equals change, equals transformation. Gospel plus safety plus time equals transformation. And a lot of those people have healed. And now it's time to reevaluate and say, okay, we got some people that they're ready and they're willing, man, to be used by Jesus. What do we do? We got to grow them because if you're a hospital and you're a staff and you're triaging all these people who are dying and bleeding out on the table, if all the staff is sick and weak and exhausted, they're not going to be any good to anybody. You're not going to help the patients that God brings there, right? Don't you want to... If you came to see a doctor and he goes, <coughs> just a minute, <coughs> Do we sterilize those? Answers? I'll be right with you. How would you feel? <laughs> oh, man. You want to be confident that I can get some help here. So it, it's, I would use another analogy. If you're a little sailboat on the ocean, what's that thing in the bottom of the boat that stabilizes it? The keel? The heel? The, the bow? What's the ballast? I had it all wrong in my mind. You know what I'm saying? That thing, the thing that anchors the boat and weighs it down? Yeah. Or, well, yeah. <laughs> Listen, guys, I warned you. I preached the funeral yesterday. I don't even know who I am or where I'm at this morning. It's the thing that keeps the boat from going like this whenever every wave hits, right? You're like weighted. You're anchored. When the storm comes, and it will, I mean, Jesus said that in the end of his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7. When the winds came and the floods came, the house that was built on the rock or the boat that had the ballast or whatever it is, anchor or keel or hill, <laughs> uh, it's not going to capsize. The hospital has a healthy, I would say it like this, guys. It's, it's like Psalm 1. The tree, its roots go down deep and it's beside the waters. It's going to prosper. It's going to prosper, whatever God calls it to do. Um, so the analogy and the image I want to give you this morning is where are we going in 2020? If we are going to continue to be the insiders who exist for the outsiders, we're not going to be any good to those outsiders if we're not growing and healthy and thriving and flourishing, both corporately together and also individually. 
okay? So we want to grow deep so that we can stand tall and so that we can reach wide. Grow deep, stand tall, reach wide. And so my burden, my concern for this year is really what I talked about last week. I talked about this last week, and don't worry, I'm, I'm closing out here. Um, growing means discipleship. That's why we have men knowing God, women knowing God. That's why we're gathering in these little groups, confessing sin. That's why I really want to help many of you that said, you know, I've, really, I've never really tried to read all the way through the Bible in a year, or I've never really had a consistent, quiet time. Or we're hearing that more and more, and you don't need to be ashamed of that, guys. This is never going to be a church where we go, what? What kind of Christian are you? I don't ever want Grace Life to be that kind of church. I want, it to be, I want it to be the kind of church that says, you know what, man? I've struggled with that too, and here's something that's helped me. You want to do it together? Let's do it together. Let's help each other. That's what discipleship is. Nobody's helped by being shamed and guilted and humiliated. You're not going to help anybody. If you use that method to try and help them, then you'll turn them into a hypocrite. You'll say, hey, did you read your Bible today? Oh, yeah, I read it. <laughs> Most of it, you know. Um, I don't want people to be walking on eggshells around here. I want this to be a place where there's true joy, and that's our culture, man. We help one another. We're all being conformed in the image of Jesus from one level of glory to the next. Let's help each other. So growth is discipleship. Grow deep, stand tall, reach wide so that we can truly be the insiders for the outsiders. And listen, you know what that means? That means there's a lot of things we're going to have to say no to. And I want you, I want you to hear me, man, because, I, you know, I hate to say no to people. I, I got to be, can I be honest with you? You love it when I give you my dirt. I'm a people pleaser, man. If, if, if I'm truly honest with you, when people ask me to do something, it, it hurts me to say no, not because it's sometimes the right thing to do. It is because I don't want them to be disappointed in me. And God's had to teach me and show me. People come to me with great ideas here all the time. And this is not one of them, I promise. This is totally hypothetical. It's an illustration because I love to fish. Let's just say there's a guy named Frank and he's been coming to this church and he says, hey, pastor, I got an idea. You like to fish, I like to fish. I got a lot of friends that like to fish and a lot of them don't know Jesus. So I think we ought to have a Christian fishing ministry. Yeah, I think we all do it. Now, to take money, we got to buy rods and reels and a boat. Um, and we need, to, we need to have a, a place on our website for the fishing, Christian fishing ministry. Uh, and we're going to need some more resources and we need some help managing it. And I mean, you get that, all this stuff. And, and it's like, and before you know it, you're spending money, you're spending time. Um, which that's great, man, that, that we want to use fishing as an outlet to reach unbelievers. Uh, but here's what I would say to that person. If there was such a person, there's not, okay? I would say, listen, man, God's given you a gift. You're, you're, you love to fish and you're great at it. And it sounds like the circle of relationships, God's entrusted to you, a lot of unbelievers there. Um, I don't think this is something that our church needs to, to take on. I think this is something you need to take on. Go out there and, and find a fishing club that's not a Christian fishing club. And be salt and light. <laughs> you have access none of us do. You know? And listen, when you come here and gather with us, we will help you be at your sharpest and your best to be of help to those men. But if you put that burden on this church, it'll weigh us down a little bit. You know what's interesting to me? Jesus prayed the high priestly prayer in John 17. He's about to die. His three-and-a-half-year ministry is about over on the earth, right? And he says, Father, I thank you that everything you gave me to do, I've accomplished. I read that, and I'm like, whoa. Jesus said no to a lot of it. Have you ever read the Gospels, and you underline all the times Jesus said no. Like, Jesus, everyone's looking for you. Everyone's waiting on you to come and do more miracles. And he said, no. Nope, got to go to the next town. I got to preach the Gospel there. For that reason, God has sent me. 
There were people that were dying, hurt, sick. They needed Jesus to heal them. But you know what? He had already healed some people and it was time to go to the next town. If we're going to be a sharp church, we're going to have to protect this vision that I'm sharing with you today. I really believe God wants to fo- us to focus on growth this year. That's why the staff additions have been made. And that's why we're starting up these D groups. Um, and listen, I believe this. I believe every single person in this room who's a Christian wants to grow deeper in your relationship to Christ. I believe you do, man. I do. I hear it from you when I'm meeting with you. And I, and I think that excites you and you're passionate about that. It's going to require some work. And it's going to, re- you know what discipleship is? It's creating space in your life for God to work. And that means you're going to have to say no. Not just as this, this church has to say no to some great ideas. That it's just a bad time. But you're going to have to say no to some things in your life that's crowding God out. We all have those things, guys, that compete uh, for the time and the, and the space and the weight that God should have in our life. You know, I mentioned last week, Psalm 3. We were talking through that, and I'm not going to talk a whole lot more about it, but it's just interesting to me. David, his son, Absalom, was, was usurping his throne. You remember the sermon? He, he chased his dad out of town, and his dad's ashamed. He had to leave Jerusalem barefooted with his head covered, weeping. And then he goes to his campsite in the middle of the night, and he prays Psalm chapter 3. And he says, Lord, my enemies are all around me. They're increasing. They're everywhere. And then he says this, but you, O Lord, are my shield, and you are my glory, and you are the lifter of my head. You are my salvation. And I told you, it's like, wow, wouldn't you like to be there? Wouldn't you like to be surrounded by people and, and close personal betrayer, betrayal and hurt hit you in your life? But you're able to say, but Lord, you're my glory, you're my shield, you're the lifter of my head, you're my salvation. I'm not afraid of anybody. Bring it on. Wouldn't you like to be there? But here's the thing, guys. David just didn't get there overnight. If you wait, if you don't, if you don't engage in the spiritual disciplines and practice and cultivate a life of growth and communion with Jesus and a habitual life of prayer and reading the word and meeting with other believers, when your crisis comes, you're going to look in the ammunition closet and it's going to be empty. David spent a life of deep abiding communion with God so that when his crisis came, he knew he could fall back on God. God, you're my shield because you have been for 20 years. I'm the king and I've been through a lot worse than this and you're going to be there now for me like you always have. See, he also wrote Psalm 23. He knew that God brought him through to green pastures and to still waters. He had tried, God had been tried and tested and he knew God could bear the weight of his emergency. And that's what growth means, man. You have real experience with God. You know him. You trust him. That's what we want to do this year. We want to help you know him more, know him better. And so I want to close with this. Man, I had a lot more. Uh, We're going to do this another time. Don't worry. It's okay. This is just, this is uh, like Psalm 6. I could go on. Psalm 16. It says, uh, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at right my right hand, therefore I won't be shaken. Do you want to be not shaken when your crisis hits? It will. I got news for you today, guys. There's a crisis in your future, and it's going to hit you right between the eyes. Could be when you leave here and check your phone. I don't know. It could be that diagnosis phone call from the doctor tomorrow. It could be finding out some things about your kids that are really troubling you. You had no idea and just completely blindsides you, or about your spouse, or about your parents. I don't know what it is, but I know this. If you do what David said, I have set the Lord always before me, always before me, because he's right here. Your right hand is the most important thing in your life, especially if you're a righty like me. (laughs) Whatever's at your right hand, man, that's your center of gravity. David said, God is there. 
And so I'm not going to be shaken. I'm not going to be devastated. That's what Paul said that. We're cast down, but we're going to be okay, right? The rest of that verse slipped my mind. What is it? <laughs> we're cast down, but we're not overtaken or something to that effect. That's, what's that? Say one more time. Destroyed. Thank you. Yes. Cast down, Paul says. I'm in prison. I'm abused. I'm persecuted. I'm chased for the sake of the gospel, but I'm not destroyed. I'm invincible until God's done with me. Paul knew that. David knew that. And listen, anybody can get in on that. You don't have to be spiritually elite to be able to say what David said. God's my shepherd, green pastures, still waters. He's at my right hand. I won't be shaken. He's my shield. He's my glory. He's the lifter of my head. I'm not afraid. We read that and we think, man, I wish I could have that. You can't have that. God wants you to have that. And this church, church wants to help you get there. And my question to you is, do you want to go there? Yeah. All right, let's do it. So here we go. Here's the, woo, praise God. <laughs> so, so here's your homework, okay? Are you ready? I'm going to ask you some hard questions and then we're going to pray and do announcements. Um, will you commit to grow with your church family? Yes, that's like that song we just started singing. Will you commit to grow with your church family? We will. Remember that song? I love that song. TJ Kyle will sing it next week, all right? Uh, it's not going to be free, guys. It's, I mean, it's going, I'll charge you $5.99. No, here's what I mean. It's going to cost you. Growth will cost you. In fact, I will tell you this. I don't want to scare you, but if you start trying to make time to meet with God, get ready. Get ready because... You know, there's spiritual forces in the heavenly places that are unseen, but they're definitely not unfelt. And when you really pursue Christ, um, you engage the enemy. And you don't have to be afraid of him. That's the beauty of this. When you grow deeper, you'll be less and less afraid of him. And say, I know that you're the devil, but you're God's devil. And as Martin Luther said, you're on a leash, so be gone. <laughs> um, it will cost you not just that, not just spiritual warfare, but it'll cost you time. Some of it will cost you money. You need to get some good Christian books. Make some investments in your spiritual growth. Um, so here's just a few questions. You don't have to answer them out loud. Will you commit to gather with us weekly? Like, I, I believe, guys, this, I hope this does not sound like legalism to you. If it is, you've misunderstood what legalism is. Legalism is basing your relationship with God on things you're doing, okay? Your position with, with God can't be changed. You are in Christ and you'll never be out of Christ, okay? Um, that's another sermon for another day. But So these things I'm asking you to do are going to help you grow closer to Christ, okay? They're not the basis on whether or not you're saved. Will you commit to gather with us weekly? This is so important, and I believe it ought to be prioritized with, for every believer. And I know we all have vacations. I'm not scolding you. Don't you dare see me up here scolding you. You guys do amazing. And I want you to know I'm not the kind of pastor. Some of you come and say, I'm sorry I wasn't here last week. You don't have to tell me that. I, I probably didn't notice. As we grow, I get more and more forgetful of who shows up and who doesn't. Um, Ten years ago, I would have known and would have asked you about it. I probably would have called you. I'm serious, guys. That's just the kind of pastor I was. And maybe some of that, needs, maybe the pendulum needs to swing a little bit back in the center. But that's really what our community groups are for, to help you with that, you know. Will you commit to gather with us weekly? Will you attend a community group? Will you explore being part of a little D group? You're going to hear more about that this year. Will you read God's word regularly? If you don't plan that, it will not happen, guys. I love you enough to tell you that. If you don't plan to read God's word and to pray, you won't. You won't. It'll be one crisis and one emergency to the next. And that's not any way to live your Christian life. I've done it. It's terrible. 
Will you serve somewhere at Grace Life? I gave you Diane's email. Use it. <laughs> Say, you know what? I, I don't really want to serve in the tech ministry, but I know they need help, and I know that's where I'm gifted. I'm going to give it a shot. Or being with kids scares, the, scares me to death, but maybe I could just be a presence back there and help while somebody else does the teaching and changes the diapers. I don't know. Anything's possible, right? Will you... Will you join this church? If you believe that this is the place that you want to grow together with these amazing people, then commit to, to being, making it official. We are a covenant community. We're kind of, you know how people date and then they get married and there's a ceremony and they exchange vows and they make it official and it's formal? That's what membership is to me at the church. You're saying, I'm not dating this church anymore. I'm all in. I'm not going anywhere. Doesn't mean you can never leave. It just means you're making covenant together with these people to be all in. So if you're just attending regularly, why not pull the plug and join? If you have hang-ups on that or you have questions, guys, I'm an easy guy to talk to about it. Trust me. Ask me any question. If I can't answer it, we'll find out together. Um, and last, will you give? Will you contribute? Financially, sacrificially, cheerfully, regularly to help shoulder the financial burden of this vision that we're casting. So I hope the answer to all of that is yes. And uh, I'm open to questions, but for now, I want us to just pause and pray, and then we're going to have a time of reflection, and please pray about all the things we talked about, and uh, we'll have a prayer team in the back. If you want to make it official and say, look, I'm all in, and I need some help with this. I have some questions. So let's pray, and then the worship team can come, and we'll have our time of reflection, some announcements, and dismissal. Guys, thank you for being patient with me today. I know today was a little bit different of a, of a message, and you can tell I'm exhausted, but I'm, 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 not, uh, I'm not sad today, man. I'm more excited and exhilarated than I've ever been, and I hope you are too. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for what you are doing here, what you have been at work doing already, and what we believe you want us to do even better. And, and you've given us a very sharp and clear vision where you want us to go. And I believe some of the things we just talked about are the mission. It's the on-ramp. How are we going to get there? Our vision is to continually be the insiders who exist for the outsiders. How are we going to be that? We're going to have to grow. We're going to have to grow deep and stand tall so that we can reach wide, Lord, and we can stay on mission. That means we say no to some good things because we're saying yes to some better things. And thank you for the patience and the humility you've given to our people and the amazing leadership team that you have assembled here and all these children who are coming to Christ, Lord. It's amazing. The baptismal waters, whether it's here or the ocean, are being stirred. You are moving. You are bringing conviction. You are showing these children the glories of Christ, the, the desperate condition of their own souls, and their need for repentance and faith. And we are excited to, to play a role in any of that, Lord. We want to invest and disciple in these children. They're the next generation. They're going to be the next church planners, Lord, and, and we want to help them. So be with us now as we reflect and pray and just celebrate quietly what you're doing in our hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.